This Week at Church, Pastor Robin McKinley continues his series in James with Talking Faith. And break bones, but words can crush a spirit, assassinate a character, and destroy a relationship. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for free coffee, free baked goods, a worship service, and a sermon to follow. The church is located by the Coventry Mall on Laurelwood Road. We've been looking in the uh, book of James, talking about faith. Today we are going to talk about talking faith. Um, You know, the tongue is a fascinating muscle. With it, our taste buds offer pleasure by telling our minds if something is sweet or sour, spicy or bitter. It allows us to shape thoughts into sounds that share words that express our ideas and our emotions. But our tongues aren't all good. With the tongue, we can sabotage relationships and inflict pain. Somebody once mistakenly said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Truth is, sticks and stones can break bones, but words can crush a spirit, assassinate a character, and destroy a relationship. Here's the thing about words. They reflect what is in our heart. I said this the other day, the tongue is the bucket that dips into the well of our heart. So, what is the tongue? How does it work? Why does it have such great control in our lives? Why is it necessary to gain control over this muscle? The Bible describes the tongue as wicked, perverse, corrupt, vile. It says it's complaining, Slanderous, cursing, foolish, filthy, blasphemous, sensual, and gossiping. It's no wonder God put the tongue in a cage behind our teeth. You know, when someone says, what, you don't bite your tongue? It's like saying, close the gate to the cage. The tongue disclosing, discloses the inner you. And it's a tattletale revealing the contents of your heart. The tongue is of great concern to God. Just in the book of James alone, there's something about the tongue in chapter 1, verse 19, chapter 2, verse 12, chapter 4, verse 11, chapter 5, verse 12. And what we're going to look at today is the most of what James talks about, and that's chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So if you want to turn to James chapter 3, that's where we're at this morning. James tells us the tongue is the best device to measure the depth of our commitment. He says the genuineness of a person's faith will without fail be demonstrated by his or her speech. So, here's what Jesus says about the tongue. 
in, uh, oh, I don't have the verse. I have the verses, but I don't have the book written down. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty uh, word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So we're starting with your notes now, and we're going to take a look at the nature of the tongue. Starting with verse 1, James chapter 3, the scripture says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. To keep their whole body in check. So the first thing that we want to talk about here is the tongue is defiling. James says no one is perfect. Words confirm the validity and the maturity of a person's faith. He uses the word stumble means to trip or to fall. The idea is that feet that stumble bring the, bring the body crashing down. Just as words can reveal a faltering faith. And then he goes on to talk about the word perfect, which means mature and complete. The idea is that maturity in Christ is directly related to the words that we speak. And then he says that... Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their body in check. The word keep is also a word for the word bridle, okay? An expert horseman knows how to rein his horse and control his movements. In the same way, a person who is never at fault knows how to control his or her conversations. So we'll move on. Verse 3 says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts. The tongue is directing. James offers two analogies for this. He, he says, a ship's rudder or a horse's bit, both possessing the ability to control direction. The small bit in a horse's mouth, pulled one way or pulled the other way through reins, will certainly move the animal in a direction, no matter how large the horse is, whether small pony or large Clydesdale. And that's what James is talking about the tongue. Without the control of a bit with the reins, the horse is free to go. One man shared a story that he was riding a horse and let go of the reins, and the horse just took off. Didn't matter what was ahead. There could have been danger ahead. There could have been anything ahead. The horse was just going. Finally, he got a hold of the reins and was able to control the horse again. Similarly, the tongue, if left unbridled, will run away out of control 
often leading us to destruction. So as we move on, let's take a look at verse 5. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So the tongue is destructive. You know, where I was raised, now there's a neighborhood. There's a valley, and, you know, each lot is a nice lot, but it's, it's a neighborhood. It goes back like three blocks. When, I, when we moved there uh, as a young family, there was one road. The houses were along that road, and behind us were farm fields. Well, people had burning barrels in their backyards, and I, I remember this one day, uh, not next door neighbor, but neighbor a few doors down, they had a burning barrel in the back of their yard, and a farmer had just cut his hay the day or so before. The hay was laying in the field, drying out so he could rake it all together and bale it. But the neighbor had taken a bag of trash down to the burning barrel, not knowing there was an aerosol can in the bag. And as that was burning, that aerosol can blew up and threw out of the uh, burning barrel, hit the hay, and that spark from that burning barrel burned the whole field of hay. James says, our tongue is like that spark. It's a fire that can quickly get out of control and destroy everything in its path. It's highly combustible, meaning our words are no match, or, or our words are but a matchstick waiting to strike. You see, we tolerate a bit of fire in our speech, thinking that it can do no harm. But fire spreads quickly, often before we realize it. And here's the point. It doesn't matter if we are doing it intentionally or not intentionally. It rages a fire that leaves devastation in its path. So what are some of the destructive sparks of fire that the tongue ignites? Well, there's gossip and slander. I remember this one church we were very familiar with. If it wasn't for AT&T, that's back before cell phones. If it wasn't for AT&T, that church would have been a perfect church. But it was that gossip and slander that went on during the week from phone line to phone line, and the church had many, many problems. You see, the Old Testament word for gossip means whispering that's damaging. The New Testament word conveys a secret attack on one's character. Here's what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Gossip's destruction stirs up dissension. It separates relationships. It betrays confidence and keeps trouble ablaze. It starts in the heart, friends. And then there's slander. Slander is sharing the truth 
with the intention of injury or defamation. And you know how we defend ourselves when we slander somebody? We'll say, but I was telling the truth. Maybe sometimes the truth doesn't have to be spoken. And then there's lying and exaggeration. One person's report of lying isn't only, it's, the lying isn't only socially acceptable, it's necessary. Listen to, this is the way people are thinking today. It's socially acceptable to tell a lie. It's necessary at times. Here's what they said. They said, we all lie once or twice a day with reasons being of self-interest, to avoid punishment, to manipulate others, or to gain an advantage over somebody else. Listen to what's happening here, friends. Truth has fallen onto hard times. This means that what once used to be a vice is now viewed as a virtue. Truth aligns us with God. Why? Because the Bible says that God is truth. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth. Then we move on to criticism and mourning, uh, murmuring. Criticism is unjustly passing negative judgment on someone else. To tear them down instead of building them up. Murmuring is criticizing someone behind their backs to other people. And it's done with the intent of gathering support to intimidate. So that's how the tongue is destructive. Next, the tongue is deadly. Verse 7 says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue is deadly. Not only is the tongue a fire, but it's a dangerous animal. It's truly amazing that all that man has tamed... I mean, think about this. They stick their head in the mouth of a lion. They have dogs now who can bark out jingle bells. They have elephants who can play soccer. And they have chimps that can sign a message to you. I'm sure there are many other animals that man has tamed, but man has yet to conquer his own tongue. James says the tongue is full of deadly poison. Words can be like venom, friends. They have the ability to kill a relationship, paralyze a love, poison a mind, stain a person's purity, and deface a person's reputation. Well, let's move on. Verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the image of God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow, flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The tongue is disloyal. With the same tongue, we praise the Lord. We praise the Father. We worship Him. And with the same tongue, we'll curse a person. That's like turning a faucet on. And you don't know if you're going to get fresh water out of that faucet or sewage out of the faucet. One person says, I try to watch the words I speak and keep them soft and sweet. For I do not know from day to day which ones I'll have to eat. So we've talked about the negatives of the tongue. Let's talk about taming the tongue. What can we do to tame the tongue? Let's be honest. Hurting cats might be easier than taming the tongue. Here's what Proverbs says, and I have no idea why I didn't, so it'd be on the, uh, the screen, but it's Proverbs 13.3 if you want to jot down the verse. He who guards his lips guards his life, but a man who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Now we can glean some points from what the psalmist says. First of all, respect the tongue. Never forget what the tongue is capable of doing. Here's what someone said one time. If your mind should ever go blank, don't forget to turn off the sound. You'll get that in a minute. So respect your tongue. Secondly, measure your words. Choose your words wisely, sizing them up before you release them. Remember, your words are a direct relation upon God. I want to do an, an acrostic for you. Think. It's in your notes, okay? Think before you speak. T, is it true? Now, we've already talked about talking the truth, okay? But people view truth like Twinkies. They know those gooey little goodies aren't good for them. But if they eat in moderation, they think they won't hurt. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So, to take the word think from the acrostic, is it honest, and I, have I expressed the truth without being brutal? You see, that's a difference. Telling the truth and uplifting instead of telling the truth to tear down. H, is it helpful? Continue in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may, be benef that it may benefit those who listen. So think. Are my words encouraging? Are my words helpful in the situation? I. Is it inspiring? Ephesians 4.26. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you to sin. Do not stay angry all day. Think. 
Am I being motivated by Christ within or my frustration within? You see, if you speak when you're angry, you'll make the greatest speech that, you've ever, that you'll ever regret. N. Is it necessary? Get rid of all bitterness, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4. Passion and anger. No more shouting or insults. No more hateful feelings or any sort of any sort. Think. Can I express myself without saying hate, hurtful things in frustration? Remember, you catch more bees with honey. K. Is it kind? Ephesians 4.32 Instead, be kind and tender-hearted to one another and forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. Think. Am I speaking to others the way I would want to be spoken to? Kindness involves showing compassion and grace to those who don't deserve it and not holding someone else's mistakes against them. And then the last point of the day, diffuse your tongue. If the tongue is the bucket that dips into the well of our heart, then the best way to diffuse the tongue is to keep the contents of the well pure. No matter how many times you change the bucket, if the contents doesn't change, then the buckets will only deliver the dirt that is scooping up. Well, the best way to diffuse the tongue is to change the water in the well. And maybe that's what needs to happen today. Maybe there's some water in your well that needs to be changed. You see, when we were born, we were born with this thing called sin imputed in us. And you know, nobody had to teach us how to sin as we grew up. It just comes naturally. And as adults, it, the nature of our being is still the same. But you see, through Christ, through salvation, God has made a way for us to cleanse the water within the heart so that when the bucket is dipped into our heart the tongue will speak the cleanliness that the Lord has given to us you see there's this thing called the wordless book that we do with children and it starts out with a black card or a black page because our, our hearts are full of sin and then it goes to a red page where Jesus shed his blood for our heart, for our, our lives and to cleanse us of all sin. And then the next page is white because our hearts are now cleansed from sin. And then it goes to green that we can live and grow in Christ. You know, sometimes we get so comfortable where we are as Christians that the zeal we once had back when the black, red, and white pages of our lives were so dominant. We knew where we had come from. We remember what Christ had done for us. 
and our hearts were cleansed, that our lives now, we just live them and we almost forget about the first few pages of the wordless book. And we get so comfortable with where we're at that I've been through it, I know. And I haven't arrived for no, no means if I arrived. But you know, we've got to continue to remember that our lives have been cleansed and that cleansing needs to come out of us. And other people need to see Jesus living in us. You see, God has made a way to cleanse us. God has made a way to give us that living water that will encourage and enrich and inspire other people. So friends, if you're saved and have a pollutant or pollutants in your well, today is the day to ask the Lord to re-cleanse you. That you, with the tongue, can speak things that are okay for God, okay for others. So let's stand to our feet. Where are you at today? Do you need to have a little cleansing done in your life? Because you can measure that by what comes out of your mouth, what you've been saying. So come to this altar. Chris is going to lead us in a song. And as he leads, come and ask the Lord, Lord, re-cleanse my heart that my tongue would be the biggest witness of what's in my heart. Hallelujah. Come if you will. look for happiness in life. We try to do good works. We seek for pleasure. But no matter how hard we try, we still feel empty. God is the only one who can satisfy. God pours mercy upon us. He pours His grace upon us. He fills us with His Spirit. God lavishes us with blessing. He washes us. He saves us. He gives us a life overflowing with peace and joy to others. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior.